Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Very good to see y'all. Thank you. Appreciate that. Happy Father's Day to you as well. And to the rest of you, so I don't leave you out. So, it's a, it's a good day. We'll see how many of those uh, hand-written hand, uh, cards we get today, right? Um, we uh, want to make mention, uh, our kids were at camp at Century Kid this week. Uh, apparently had a fantastic week. want to thank uh, our kids' workers for being there, our chaperones. Uh, I'm afraid they may have had more fun than the kids from some of the things that I heard, but uh, uh, that's okay. Uh, we uh, were appreciative of, uh, of them being with our kids this week and, and, uh, and having a good time. Uh, lots, of, lots of cool stuff happening this summer with uh, our kids and our students already. Uh, pretty awesome stuff. I, I believe Plunge is going to be uh, a lot of fun when it rolls around here in a couple months. So, but uh, anyway, uh, we uh, do want to uh, thank the thank the dads, thank the fathers. I, like Nathan said, I know that can be a, uh, a touchy thing for some folks, and, and that doesn't fall short on us. We we know that, um, and uh, you know I'm I'm very grateful. I have an amazing dad. Um, you know, I, it, if you can imagine having like if you can imagine knowing the best pastor in the world uh, and then him being your dad. Now, I'm not talking about preacher or whatever. I'm talking about person who cares for people like I've never seen anybody ever do what my dad does when it comes to that. And then that guy being your dad. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really amazing, to be honest with you. So uh, I'm very blessed with my dad. Uh, and, uh, and Aaron's dad currently is uh, actually in the hospital uh, fighting off some stuff, and so we're praying for him. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it, you know these types of days can be can be tough, and they can be glorious at the same time. Uh, and I hope I hope that uh, they can be glorious for you guys. Um, let's jump into this. We uh, we started in last week this series on Peter. Um, and uh, if you've got a Bible and you want to go ahead and get it out, or if you need one from one of our ushers, they'll bring you one. Uh, we'd be glad for you to have one. If you don't own one, you can keep that one. We're going to the book of Matthew, and uh, this, uh, this series on Peter, you know, one of the things that I mentioned this last week, one of the things I love about Peter is I see myself so much in Peter, uh, in so many of the things that, uh, you know, he gets himself into, and, you know, the reactions he has, and the uh, things he falls into, that sort of stuff, you know, just reminds me of Peter so much, um, you know, and, and uh, as I was studying on this passage of Scripture, one of the things that occurred to me is that me personally, I sometimes just forget how much the Lord is carrying me through life. You know, uh, you know I think, you know, for most of us, you know, we get up, you know, and, you know, we're, you know, thinking about how we feel and we're thinking about what we've got to get done and, you know, we're going to get some energy by doing this or drinking that or, you know, whatever it may be so that we can we can do the things of the day. And the truth is, is that the Lord is carrying us through so much of what happens in life. Um, and I lose sight. I lose sight at times of just how much he is in control. Uh, you know, we do this and we begin to worry uh, and, and over whatever. Pick your flavor. It could be uh, your job or money or relationship or anything and, and we begin to worry and worry and worry like our worrying is going to fix what's going on. And, and the whole time, 
the whole time the Lord is not worried. He's not worried. And he's, and he's got this. And we, and we need to remember that. And, that's, and it's hard to remember that in those moments because all we can see is what's you know, right in front of us. But I think this passage of Scripture is, uh, is one of those passages that challenges us with that. Uh, it's probably a familiar passage to many. Uh, and, and let me just tell you what, it is jam-packed full of stuff, and I, I want us to look at it together. And, uh, uh, you know, going along with the life of Peter, and specifically in this passage today, we're picking up really right after uh, Jesus has been doing uh, many miracles. And uh, the miracle that he had just done was feeding 5,000 people, actually more than that, but we can get into that another day. Uh, and he's done so with uh, you know the food that came from a little boy who happened to have a little bit of a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish, and you know, boom! Next thing you know, he's feeding feeding the five thousand, and so they're coming right off of that. The disciples are coming right off of that, and inter- interestingly enough, you know, I mean, after this has happened and everybody's realized what Jesus has done, you know, Jesus is still new to so many of these people. They're just beginning to understand who he is, see what he's capable of doing all of these things, still trying to figure out who he is, really, to be honest. And, uh, you know, there's a mob. I mean, they're just, they're going crazy. And, and Jesus, as soon as, as soon as this whole thing's over with, he kind of disperses the people, which I imagine for the disciples who are following him, which Peter was one of, you know, I would imagine that for them, that's a little confusing. You know, it's kind of like, Jesus, bro, you know, you did this great thing. Can't we have a little bit of an after party? I mean, like, you know, let's celebrate. Let's hang out. Let's have a good time. We got, we got plenty of bread and fish here. Let's, let's, let's rock out for a little while or something, you know? And Jesus is in sit. He's, you know, he's dispersing the crowd. And not only that, he's telling the disciples, you guys go ahead and get in the boat and take off without me. You guys go on without me. And um, again, had to be a little bit confusing. And of course, Jesus almost, uh, you know, I, I can imagine that he's like, doing this kind of stuff at times and he knows you know he knows I'm going to send them out on the boat and they're going to they're going to talk about me and they're going to talk about what's happened and you know all these things and they're going to be all wound up and uh and you know whatever well that's in a sense kind of what's happening here and then on top of that there's a storm and they're out in the boat and the storm is fighting against them and that's kind of what we're picking up today and I want us to read this together uh, because Peter p- plays a huge part of uh, this story, and I want us to see uh, what it is that he does, in fact, play in the story. Uh, this, this is found in uh, three of the Gospels, but only this Gospel actually gives us the account of uh, some of the things that Peter is involved with in the story. So anyway, Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going today, uh, and in verse 22. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, and it says this. It says, immediately... Immediately he came, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. The other side, by the way, is, is probably the, it, it, a lot of times when you see that in Scripture and, and even for them back then, it was like the differentiation of people groups, okay? So it was like, you know, the difference between a Jewish territory and a Gentile territory or whatever. And so anyway, he goes, you know, says, you know, tells him to get in the boat and go before them to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So here he's, you know, he's telling the, you know, getting the crowds to leave and all that kind of stuff. 
And, um, you know, and so verse 23 goes on, it says, And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves. For the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. We'll go back up to the top here. Um, you know, the disciples are traveling, and Jesus is supposed to be going with them. They know this. You know, that they're, the plan was that they're going to go to the other side after this, uh, this whole, you know, scene that has happened here. Uh, Jesus stays back stays back. He sends the disciples on. He's dispersing the people. He's trying to get this like big thing that's been happening to, you know, kind of simmer down and, and, and calm down in the situation and not trying to cause a fuss, if you will. Okay. And so as Jesus is doing this and the, and the disciples are on their way and he eventually dismisses the crowds, it says he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Here we see Jesus do something that I think is important for us. He goes and spends time with his dad. He goes and spends time with the Father. And interestingly enough, I think for us, you know, where this, and this isn't, you know, I'm going to spin this into being some kind of Father's Day thing. Uh, you know, I'll spin it this way. The Father the Father desires for us to spend time with Him. Now, earthly dads do too. I'm not saying they don't. But I'm saying here's an example of Christ setting an example for us to see something that is ultimately so important that He doesn't want us to miss it. And we see Him do this time and time again. We see Jesus do this. And the, you know, the funny thing to me is that you know he could easily kind of have this attitude of he's Jesus, he doesn't have to. He's the Lord, he doesn't have to. He's God, he doesn't have to. Go spend time with God the Father. But he does. Not only does he do that, but his whole ministry, if you pay close attention, Jesus is pointing back to the Father. He's constantly saying, go to my dad, look to my dad. He's the one, you know, he's got the answers. And the Father sent the Son for us to give his life, to be an example, all these things. Jesus dismisses the crowd. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat, by this time, was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. It's thought at this point that the disciples are probably uh, a few miles out uh, on you know this sea that is you know at that time they say between four and five miles uh, in width, and so they're out there, they're rowing. Let's get in our heads here because I know for so many of you you got a boat and it's got a mercury on the back of it or something you know. And that's not the case for these guys. <laughs> They're out there rowing. 
And they're not just rowing, they're rowing in a storm. And we know that because the wind is against them. And it says so. And so we have this whole picture of what's happening here. Long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in verse 25 it says, In the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. <laughs> I love this. I, I, just, I just wish that, you know, I wish I could have followed Jesus around. I wish he would like took me to like just, you know, be privy to see these things that he would do where he scares everybody. I just think that's funny. I, you know, one of my favorite things is scaring people. I love scaring people. As a little kid, you want to know what I used to do? You know, being a preacher's kid, and they wouldn't hire babysitters, so I'd go with my dad a lot. And a lot of times in the summertime, especially, I'd, I'd be hanging out in the church office. Well, I'd get boring. You know, I picked, I learned how to pick all those locks and, you know, would go, you know, raid the kitchen for grape juice and crackers and, you know, uh, would go eat the Nilla wafers out of the, the nursery. I'd get, I'd get everybody all wound up when they weren't, didn't have any on Sunday. Uh, I can tell you. Uh, but, and they knew who did it. Uh, but uh, one of my favorite things to do when we were up there is, you know, a lot of times the, uh, the folks that were, you know, our accompanists, the, the, the organ player, the piano player, they would come up during the week and they would practice. And, uh, you know, the, the, the sanctuary of that church that I'm thinking of in Princeton, Kentucky, you know, I, I would literally, you could, the, all the doors were in the back, and of course we had the pews, right? And, uh, and they'd be in there in the middle of the day just practicing by themselves in this big old room, right? And I'd let myself in the back, and they wouldn't know I was there. And I would army crawl underneath those pews all the way from the back, all the way to the front where the organ was, and then I'd jump up on the... And they were ready to kill me. <laughs> Stuff you get away with when your dad's a pastor. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus scares these guys. They're terrified, it says. And I love that. He says, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Okay? So, you know, they're terrified they say it's a ghost, and now they're crying out in fear. I don't know what all they're crying out in fear of. It's just a whole bunch of screaming like girls or, you know, whatever it may be. I have no idea. But here's, here's all these, like, you know, manly fishermen and, you know, all these guys in a boat, you know, supposed to be like their thing, and they row through the sea in the night and the storm and all that stuff. And here they are. They're just terrified. And it says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And maybe, maybe, there's something going on in your life right now where you need to hear Jesus say that to you. You know he's got this, right? You know the uncertainty of situations puts us on edge. The uncertainty of, we're going we gonna to get through this, we're going to... Are they going to get through this? Is this loved one going to get through this? You know, what's going to happen here? Are we going to be able to pay those bills? Are we going to, you know, 
make it through this relationship? Is it going to last? Is it going to blow up? What's going to happen? Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus comes to them in the storm. Jesus comes to them in the storm. He comes to us in the storm. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. If you have trusted and believed in Jesus to be your Savior, He is with you always. The fourth watch of the night. This was a Roman military time. They had divided the night into four watches, three hours apiece. The fourth watch of the night was probably somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. So, you know, at this point, I'm thinking if I'm one of the disciples and I've been rowing all night through a storm, I mean, I'm... I might even be able to nap in that storm. I'm just, I'm just thinking, like, I, I don't know about some of you. I, I can sometimes take a nap just about anywhere. We went, we went to look at that bus the other day, and Dave stuck me in the back of this little car that, that uh, Melissa drives or whatever, and I, I, just, I just laid my head back and went to sleep. And we just rolled, you know, to the other side of town while I took a nap. Uh, you know, some days, Right. But I'm just thinking, you know, here's this crazy situation, and now it's all, you know, we're, we're not just, it's not just kind of late at night. It's not, you know, 10 p.m., you might still get a bowl of ice cream with John Taylor time, okay? You know, it's like a whole, like, another later in the night, you know, 3 to 6 a.m., he's asleep, he's already back up and going to work and feeding the cats, uh, you know. And Jesus comes to them in the storm, walking on the sea, and they're terrified, they're screaming, they literally think it's ghosts. Now, more than likely, there's a great chance that they actually were concerned that this was like an apparition of like a demon or something that was trying to attack them for being on mission with Jesus or whatever it may be, because at this point, they have seen Jesus cast demons out of people, okay? Like they've seen some stuff. And so if they weren't aware before then, they're aware now, okay? And so, literally, they literally think it's a ghost. Like, Bill Murray, nowhere in sight, like, just them in a boat in the middle of the sea, and, you know, who are you going to call? Here comes Jesus, right? And he says, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, I want to continue on with the passage of verse 28. This is where we pick Peter up specifically, and it says this. It says, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So, this part, this section, we see the story continues they now realize it is Jesus. Peter shouts out to him, Lord, if it's you, command that I come to you on the water. Peter wants to give it a try. 
he sees Jesus standing on the water. Now, you know, I know fishermen can tell some stories. And if you think about it, you know, there's a lot of folks that think they've seen a lot of things sometimes that they didn't really see. And I'm sure they're rubbing their eyes and they're shaking their heads and they're trying to figure out what is really going on. And they see what they think is a ghost at first and then he says it's Jesus and then they maybe recognize him at that point, I don't know. But he's standing on the water. This is an unnatural thing, okay? This is not a normal thing, you know? And Peter's like, can I give it a shot? Tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come on. So Peter gets out of the boat onto the water to come to Jesus. And everything's good. He's standing on the water with Jesus. Can you imagine? I mean, that's crazy. And then, and then, something happens. It says in verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. He saw the wind, and he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, here's what's a little funny about this. I think it's all understandable because I don't think any of us would probably have done any different. But they, he, he, he literally just said, it is I, do not be afraid, right? And here we have another moment where Peter is now walking on the water to Jesus, but then he sees the wind. Well, how, do, how is he seeing the wind? You don't see the wind usually, right? But he's seeing waves, right? And he's seeing the water that's being blown through the air even off of those waves. So, I mean, this is a, this is a crazy situation in which, you know, Peter's just enamored with, you know, what's going on. And, you know, he goes from like his focus is Jesus and I'm walking to you to all of a sudden he sees everything around and he starts to worry, right? He starts to worry. He is afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. He cries out, Lord, save me. Beginning to sink. Beginning to sink. When was the last time that you tried to walk on water and you began to sink? Ever think about that part of this passage? We don't begin to sink. We sink, right? Like there's no like, you know, it's whatever the, you know, the, the rate of, you know, dropping this thing and dropping that thing at the same time, whatever, all that stuff in science. You remember doing that stuff? Remember going out to the football field and we drop, we're dropping golf balls and bowling balls and, you know, we're arguing with the teacher that they don't fall at the same time and all this kind of stuff, driving him nuts, you know. But, uh, you know, we just sink. We don't begin to sink. We sink. Peter begins to sink. And as he begins to sink, he realizes, he realizes something, and that's that his focus has been taken off of Jesus and onto the things of the world that he's worrying about, that he's afraid of. 
And he cries out, Lord, save me. Which again, honest, honest to goodness, we'd all, we'd all probably done the same thing. And Jesus immediately, verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? That's, that's the question for us today. Why do we doubt? Why do we doubt? We do. We all do it. We all find ourselves at some point in time doubting whether or not the Lord's really got this. And the truth is, is we know that He does, but yet we doubt. We doubt, and then what? He allows us to sink a little bit a lot of times, doesn't He? He allows us to begin to sink, begin to feel those things begin to swallow us up. And then what do we do? Then we cry out, Oh, Lord, save me. I need your help. I can't do this. And he's kind of like, really? Really? I love this part in verse 32. It says, And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. <laughs> so, you know, all this craziness. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, Jesus the controller of all creation, you know, has allowed all of this to happen. First of all, in my head, like I really want to know, like what did it look like for Jesus to get from shore to the boat? Did he walk all the way? Did he run? Is he like the flash? I, I mean, he can be because he's Jesus, right? I mean, he, did, did he just, you know, disappear from here and appear there? I just want to know. I don't know. It's not important. It's not in the scripture, right? But I kind of want to know. But either way, he allows the storm to take place all the way through the exact moment that he steps off of the water into the boat. All through this scene with Peter, craziness, wind, all this stuff still going on. He could have, I mean, you know, he could have... He could have calmed the storm and invited everybody. Hey, y'all, you guys come out here and let's do a jig. You know, we're all going to have a dance on the water. He doesn't do that. He allows all of this to take place while being in complete control of it. And after Jesus gets in the boat, the storm stops. The wind ceased. And at that very moment, all of those guys were reminded of a thing that they had already begun to believe. But maybe in this moment, it was another nail driven into the understanding of what the truth really was. And that's that they begin to worship, saying, truly you are son of God. Truly you are the son of God. I think there's a lot of people, I think there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians 
and are borrowing somebody else's faith. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you ask them, hey, you believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Okay. But when cra the crazy hits, the storm comes, or whatever it may be, that they find themselves immediately doubting. Immediately doubting what the Lord, you know, if the Lord's going to take care of them, you know, whatever it may be. We, we, and we all, you know, we all struggle with some of that. But when you're borrowing somebody else's faith, when you're a Christian because somebody else was a Christian, because you're parent was a Christian, or your friend was a Christian, or whatever, or you just grew up in church a Christian, at some point along the way, we have to recognize that Jesus truly is the Son of God, that He truly is the Lord. And for each and every one of us, the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and He reveals to us our need for Jesus, and at some point in that, we have to believe in him. Peter beginning to sink cried out. The beginning to sink part is so big for us to see today. When he began to sink, his faith shifted from Jesus' word to the storm. This is true of us. Mario. When he began to sink, his faith shifted from Jesus' word to the storm. From Jesus' word to the storm. And this is what we do. This is what we do. Our, our faith shifts off of Jesus onto the things of this world, onto the things of this life that we can't control and we know we can't control them. And instead of trusting in Him, we start worrying about those things, right? God has a way of getting our attention sometimes. Sometimes that includes letting us sink a little bit. Why? Because sometimes that's what it takes for us to refocus on Him. Because once we begin to sink, what's our reaction? Oh, 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 well, Lord, save me, right? Just like Jesus, or just like Peter. His grace is that he keeps us from drowning. Peter began to sink. He didn't sink. This is Jesus in control the entire time. In control the entire time. It, it was never about what Peter could do. It was about what Jesus could do. It's the same thing for us. And I think for us, we, we struggle with that because we really, we really want to be in control, right? We really want to like go, oh yeah, well, I, even, even if we mean well with it, we'll say stuff like, well, I'm all prayed up and I'm all Jesus stuff and I'm ready to go, okay? But that's about us. And it's really about Him. And it's about what He can do, not about what we can do. It wasn't about Peter sinking. It was about the water holding him up. Jesus was in control of that. Peter wasn't in control. Jesus was. 
And the big question maybe for you today is, is Jesus in control of my life? Is Jesus in control of the things that I have going on? One of the things that I, some of the thoughts that I see from the passage as a whole for us is, one, I think it's a great example for us to be reminded that we should meet with the Father, that we should pray. He loves for us to spend that time with Him. We walk away so much better for spending that time with Him. Two, that we trust Him to take care of the storms, that He's there with us, that we can trust Him. Three, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. Do not fear. He is the Lord. And He is the Lord over all. Four, stay focused on Him even when the storm's coming. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Five, call on Him for help. Have faith. Trust in Him. Maybe today is the day that you cry out to Jesus for the first time, save me. Maybe, maybe you have spent a long time borrowing somebody else's faith. Or maybe you have never ever believed in Jesus to begin with. And maybe today is the first day that you're recognizing, you know what, Jesus isn't just this fairy tale story. This really happened. These things really happened. And He is the Lord of all. And if that's you today, believing in Him to be the Son of God is, is the best place to start. And Jesus invites us to come to Him, to get out of the boat and run on that water to Him. Right? It's by His grace we've been saved. Colossians 2 verse 13 says this. It says, And you who were dead in your trespasses... And the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to the cross. It stood against us with its legal demands. Last weekend, I got to do the funeral of a friend of mine who's a state representative, and he was also a lawyer. And a very different funeral. It was at TPAC, and uh, there were a lot of people there that were, you know, state representatives, senators, and important folks and whatnot. I hate to say my favorite part of the funeral, but I'll say my favorite part of the funeral. And Bill knew the Lord. And that made it a good funeral, right? But my favorite part of the funeral was getting to explain the gospel in the terms of understanding for all these people who especially lived lives in a courtroom that Jesus had gone before the judge and had taken what we deserved. That's what Jesus did for you. That you might believe in Him. That today you might be made alive that today you might be forgiven. Our record has been canceled. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 
the only thing that sank is the penalty for our sins. This is God's grace. And for Peter, it was his grace on the water. Today, receive that grace. God's given it out to anybody that will believe in Him. Will you believe in Him? Believer, will you trust in Him? Will you seek Him? Will you allow Him to take fear from you and put your eyes on Him, have your faith on Him, in Him, through whatever storm is going on in your life? I hope so. What grace, what grace He's given us today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the reminder of not just your grace, but your mercy, God, on our lives. Lord, we do not deserve what you have done for us, but you've done it. God, today we are reminded that you took everything we've ever done wrong, And you nailed it to the cross. Nailed it to the cross. On our behalf, you took it all away and allowed your only Son to receive the wrath that we deserve, the death that we deserve, that we might have life. God, thank you for Jesus. God, for anyone that's never believed in you, God, I pray that today would be the day that they would believe. God, I pray that they wouldn't borrow somebody else's faith in you. God, I pray that today theirs would start. God, I pray that they would trust in you to be their Savior, to be their guiding light. God, for those of us who have already believed, help us to trust. Help us to believe at all times. Help us not to fear but to keep our eyes on you. Thank you, Lord, for your son. We ask all this in his name.